0: Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. This week we feature Percy Crawford, the founder of WDAC Radio Company. Starting off today with a little help from his family, Percy preaches on Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. This sermon is from the very first televised program of Youth on the March. The date was October 9th, 1949. The next two sermons are from subsequent broadcasts. thank you, and uh, we're uh, glad, you know, we're glad to have our uh, sons, our four boys, the four D's, we call them. Dick here's had a little bit of an accident uh, with his foot. Uh, How'd you break that, Dick? Playing football at school. Oh, my goodness, there you go again, uh, getting into trouble with his foot, but he'll soon be well. Uh, We've asked him to sing for you tonight. We're the junior quartet. Stop, look and listen just for a few moments, please, while I read you a little from the Bible. Matthew, the 19th chapter, the 16th verse, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do, that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away, sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What a terrific story. The story of a young man that came to Jesus but went away. Will you listen just for a few moments, please, while I talk to you about this interesting story? I can see Jesus standing in the streets of Jerusalem preaching. Maybe he was saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe he was saying, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And there in the crowd was this rich, young ruler. He analyzed Jesus. He was critical. He didn't know who he was and whether he should be, be- believed or not but he watched him. The sermon was over. I can see him going home, but that night he turned and tossed with no rest. Away on into the night, there was no sleep for him. Waking early, got up, said to his servant, come, we must find that man of Nazareth. We must search for him. We must find him. I can see him coming into Jerusalem, inquiring where he went. Some said this way, some said that way. One said up over the hills of Judea, and I can see him going up there to the top of the hill, searching for him, and there in the valley below, he beholds Jesus with a little band of disciples around him, and he breaks into a run. And it says he ran down the hillside, threw himself before Jesus, looked up into that matchless face and said, Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And Mark, when Mark tells the story, Mark says, Jesus loved him, Jesus loved him. And I think if there's anything that God loves to see today, it's red-blooded young men and women with enough backbone and stuff in them that they're willing to come out and be different. I can see some in the crowd laughing and sneering at this rich young fellow getting down with all his expensive clothes in the dirt and the dust. Say, look at the sissy. But down he got and laugh as they may and said, Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And that's the trouble with a lot of you. Oh, I know you go to church on Sunday a little bit. You go through the motions of having a little religion, but you're ashamed to come out before the godless foul-mouthed bunch and take your stand for Jesus Christ. That's hard to do. It takes backbone to do it. And yet, and yet this fellow had it. But I noticed he was led to Jesus by the Spirit of God. Jesus said, and if I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit, and when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. God says in the Bible, my spirit shall not always strive with men. And my friend, when you turn your back on the Son of God, you do an awful thing. The worst crime that you can commit is to refuse the Son of God into your life as Savior. And that's what happened here. Once the Spirit of God leaves you, my friend, your doom is sealed for all eternity. Jesus said, you want to do something? Okay, he said, keep the commandments. Now watch it. Put this right up alongside your life. He said, thou shalt do no murder. Uh, any of you committed murder? You murdered? Jesus said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. You stolen? Oh, you say, it's such a nice song. I got such a blessing out of that song. Well, sure, you stole it. You took it from the church. You're a thief. Thou shalt not bear false witness. You're a liar. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou should love thy neighbor as thyself. A terrific standard, isn't it? You know, a chain is no stronger than its weakest link. You can take a glass of water as clear as crystal, and you can put one drop of black ink in that glass of water, you've got a black glass of water. You can take your life, regardless of who you are, and one stain of sin in it, one stain of sin in it, my friend, makes it black. It, it, it spoils the whole thing. And that's how God sees your life, and saw this young man's life. And he said to him, well, master, all these things, if I can, but what do I lack? You know, a while back when I was coming home, I was a church member. I was coming home on the last car from a dance, and with these lips I said out loud, if this is all there is in life, there isn't much in it. I was there searching and seeking, but I lacked something, reality. And thank God I found him when I received the Lord Jesus as my Savior. That's why I'm a preacher. That's why I want you to have him. That's why I want you to trust him and claim him as your very own. Jesus said, If thou wouldst be perfect, go and sell what thou hast. Give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Your money. Oh, no. His greed. The love of it. Jesus said, Get rid of it. If you really want a mean business, come on, get rid of your sins. The young man heard that saying, he went away. He went away sorrowful? Sure. But he went away. That's the tragedy of it. His history in three words. He went away a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to turn off that television set and go your way. Will you turn your back on the Son of God, the best friend that you can ever have? That's the tragedy of it. That's the worst thing a man or woman can ever do in life. And that's why we've come to you, all of these young people, to plead with you that you might pin your faith in Jesus Christ and head for heaven. That's the sweetest piece of news this side of heaven. A while back when I was out in the California, where we received that little song, It Was For You, There was a lady there by the name of Mrs. Larson, and she said, you know, there's something I want to tell you boys that may help someone else come to Christ. She said, I had two brothers. One was a Christian, one wasn't. This one that wasn't a Christian said, one day you've been talking about religion and being a Christian and going to church and all this. He said, I don't want it. He said, I'm going out and make my money and have my good times, and later on in life I'll settle down and become a Christian like you say and join church. He went out and he made money, hand over fist. He was banking money. He had a section of land paid for in the northern part of California. And, uh... Suddenly he took sick, 24 years of age. They rushed him to the hospital, and she said with tears in her eyes. The day that he died, I went down to the hospital, pushed open the door, walked him. My brother said to me, oh, if I were only a Christian now, if I were only a Christian. And she prayed with him, and he said, Lord, help me to believe. He was serious then, Lord, help me to believe. She prayed with him, and she said, his last words were these, I don't seem to be able to get the right spirit. I don't seem to be able to get the right spirit, and he was gone. Yeah. You know where he settled it? Back up there when he was well and strong like you are tonight. My friend, God has caused you to listen and to look in there tonight on this, the first broadcast of the Young People's Church of the Air. We're venturing out in this that you might be one and pointed to Jesus Christ, that you might know the thrill that these men that Roy Craver knows and these young men and women that have been singing and playing for you tonight. That's the greatest thing in all the world. And that's why God has brought this to you, that you might see that 1900 years ago, broken and bruised and battered, Jesus made his way up the hill Calvary. And there on the cross, he died for you, that you might live, that you might go to heaven, that you might trust him, that you might come out before your friends and say, I don't care whether you laugh or sneer, Jesus Christ is going to be my savior. Will you do that tonight? Will you make this the night when you settle? Will you make this the night when you make sure? Oh, I hope you will. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer as the fellows sing and the Christians praise. Now as our heads are all bowed and our eyes are all closed. I wonder how many of you. How many of you there now, by your radios, perhaps alone, perhaps there with a the crowd, the Spirit of God's been knocking at your heart's door? You know what I've said is true. You're a sinner before God. The Lord Jesus died for you. Won't you trust him? Won't you receive him? Won't you say, God, help him, me, tonight? I'm going to trust this wonderful Savior that you speak of. And as we close in prayer, just bow your head and say, God helping me. I'll receive him right now as my Savior. Will you do that? Will you be among them? And write us to Box One, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We'd love to hear of it on this, our first coast-to-coast television broadcast. We'll appreciate it. Our Father, we pray for all these, this unseen audience tonight that the Spirit of God will move on their hearts and bring them to the place where they crown the Savior, King of their hearts, and not go away from it, into the darkness and into the night without a hope, but have this Savior who is the light of the world. We pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Tonight I want to read for Scripture from Matthew, the 27th chapter, the 20th verse. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will you that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude saying, I am innocent of the blood of this this just person, see ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Tonight, very briefly, I want to talk to you about the most important question in all the world. It's not a question of how good or how bad you've been. It's not a question of whether you belong to my church or this church or that church. It's not a question of whether you've taken communion. But it's the question of questions. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? A man said to me the other day, well, the big question in life is, how about the hypocrites? I said, don't worry about the hypocrites. God's going to look after the hypocrites. There'll be no hypocrites in heaven, just in hell. And you reject the Son of God as your Savior, and you live in hell with them forever. It's not a question of hypocrites. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? That's your question. Go with me, if you will, to the Garden of Geth- Gethsemane, and there you'll find Jesus with his pals, Peter, James, and John. He was going to the cross and he brought them with him there to the garden. And he said to them, Will you just wait here a little while I go on in and pray? And he went on in and prayed and he said, Oh, Father, if it would be possible, let this cup pass from me. And he went back out and found them asleep. He said, Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? He went on out the second time and prayed. Oh, he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, nigh unto death. He went out and found them asleep again and the third time. And he said to them, Sleep on now, for there amongst the brushes... He saw the flash of the lanterns and the spears as they were coming to take the Son of God. And at the head of them was Judas. Oh, this man loved Jesus so much he sold him for $19.38, 30 pieces of silver. I can see him very brave holding up the lantern and saying to the soldiers, Come on, I know where he is. Jesus, when he saw them coming, stood up and put out his great chest and called out, Whom seek ye? They said, Jesus. And they all fell prostrate before him. He said again, whom seek ye? They said, Jesus. He said, here I am, but let these go their way. And good old Peter was there, good old scrappy, fighty Peter. He got a hold of a sword from somewhere. And I don't know what he said, but I can see him uh, standing there and waving that sword high for Peter was a real tough fisherman, and he waved that sword high. And I don't know what he said. The Bible doesn't say this, but I think he must have said, listen, the first one of you guys to take a step forward and lay a hand on Jesus, I'll cut your head off. And there was a fellow there looking for the Purple Heart. And he took a step forward and Peter let him have it. He swung out and missed him, cut his ear off. He didn't try to cut his ear off, he tried to cut his head off. Jesus said, Peter, put up your sword. If I wanted, I could have 12 legions of angels down here mop up the whole crowd. Put up your sword. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, I'd fight. You know what I like about Peter? He had enough gumption, even though he was outnumbered and didn't have a ghost of a chance to stand up and fight for the Son of God. That's more backbone a lot of you've got. Yes, I'm talking to you right there by your television set. You haven't got enough gumption at work and there at school to stand out among your friends and say to the godless, foul-mouthed bunch, I stand for Jesus Christ, whether you like it or not. Peter had it. They rushed in and grabbed Jesus, rushed him through the mockery of the court trial, where Pilate said, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ, on up to the cross and killed him? And then they, God raised him up again. What shall I do then with Jesus? That's the question you're going to answer. I want you to answer it right now. You're going to do one of two things. That's that's your problem. What shall I do then? You say, well, what do I get if I do the right thing? The world offers you plenty. I stood in the corner of Hollywood and vine a while back and looked up and down that street and, and I want to tell you the world offers you something. But I'm here to tell you you do the right thing with Jesus and he gives you something that all the world can't offer. You say, what do I get? First of all, I put down in my notes, you get forgiveness of sins. Acts 10.43 says, Whosoever believeth in him shall receive forgiveness of sins. Man had on his tombstone one word, forgiven. Forgiven. That's right. That's enough. Forgiven. And my friend, when you reach the end of the road, the thing of importance in your life will be, are you forgiven? Have you reached the place in your life, have you ever reached it, where God lifted the cap off your heart and showed you your life sin stained and black and vile and deserving of hell? That's what brings Salvation. And that's what God wants you to do tonight, to think on your way, to reach the place of consciousness where you realize before a holy God your life is vile and black. Have you seen that yet? When you do that, my friend, God will save you. He'll save you. Forgiveness of sins. You say, what else do I get? You get a load lifted off the conscience. God lifts the load off your conscience. He says over in uh, Hebrews 9, 14, He said, the blood of Jesus, God's Son, will purge your conscience from dead works. That's worth more than a million dollars to know. You know, there are a lot of you tonight have consciences that are seared. So I know that person next to you doesn't know about them. But your life is blackened and marred and stained with sin. You wouldn't let the person next to you know what it, what it is. And yet it's there and God knows it. I say, when you do the right thing with Jesus, he blocks out all that smear that's on your conscience and lifts the load. I had to work my way through school. Every hour I spent in high school, in college, in seminary, in the university, in my graduate work, I worked for it. I'm not ashamed of it. I was doing janitor work in Los Angeles, working my way through school. I came into these huge offices. We had about 150 desks to care for, and all around to mop and to clean, and I came in this night and started to put on my cover, all started to work, and there was a fellow over there at the desk working late. I pulled out a gospel of John, went over and gave it to him, a little red part of the Bible, and uh, he uh, looked at it, and uh, then I talked to him about the Lord Jesus. What he would do with Jesus. To make a long story short, he bowed his head and received Christ as his Savior. He went his way, I went my way, mopping the floors, as can be that I had led him to the Lord Jesus. Three nights later, he came. And he said to me, did you know me before you talked with me the other night? I said, no. Well, he said, I want to tell you this, sir. I used to be in the Navy. Now, not all Navy boys are like this fellow. But I was in the Navy. And he said, I want you to know my life was checkered and stained with sin. He said, I thought I was a regular boy, a regular guy. And he said, I got into sin up to my neck till it started to bother me. And then he said, I'd come in on leave shore, leave San Pedro, San Francisco, I'd leave all the fellas. I'd take a streetcar to the end of the line. I'd get off and I'd walk mile after mile after mile. And said he, sometimes as I'd walk, I didn't know, but what the next step I'd take, I'd land in hell. But he said, I want to tell you since the other night when I received the Lord Jesus, all that load's gone off my heart. Who did that? Did I do it? My hand do it? No virtue in my hand. But when he put his hand in the nail-pierced hand, my friend, when he said the right thing with, did the right thing with Jesus, when he said, "God helping me, the Lord Jesus is going to be my savior," he did something for him that money can't buy. And my friend, that's what we want you to do there tonight. We have nothing to sell you. We have nothing to give you, except the greatest gift in all the world—the Son of God. They wait there just a moment. Now, don't you turn that dial. I want to talk to you about something very important. The greatest thing in all the world, something right from my heart that I believe it will count with you. If you go down to the station and get on a, a train, you've got to meet certain requirements. You can't get on the train unless you have a ticket or pay your way. That's right. Now, if you're going to go to heaven, then you must come God's way. And God has laid down certain premises, certain rules, certain regulations by which you, that you must meet if you're going to get there. And I jotted down in my notes just two or three things that Jesus said you must meet in order to get to heaven. He said, first of all, in Matthew 18, 3, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not childish, but childlike. In other words, you must reach the place in your life where you're conscious of the fact that you need someone. Jesus said, Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. But straight and narrow is the road that leads to life eternal, and few there be that find it. In other words, the road is broad. Many people are going that way. But when you're converted, when the Son of God comes into your life, you have a hope beyond the grave and you're right about faith. You're going this way, you turn right around and go the other way. And the crowd says, why, did you know, Bill, Jack, Mary, Helen, why, they've got religion. Yes, sir, they're different. Why? They're converted. That's right. And you need to be converted. I need to be converted in order to get to heaven. God says so. You know, a while back, I was riding along the streets of Collingswood, New Jersey with my brother, who was a doctor. And as we were riding along, there in the middle of the road, I saw a man lying in the road. And I thought first it was a bundle of rags or something. And as we got closer in the dark, we saw it as a man. We put on the brakes and I jumped out one side, he jumped out the other side and went around. And here was a man lying there, drunk. I started to help him up, put my hand under his head to lift him up. He looked at me in defiance and he said, Young man, don't you think a man of my intellectual capacity can take care of himself? Well, I nearly said, it doesn't look like it. But I didn't. I said, do you think your mother would like to see you in a condition like this? I said, do you think the Lord Jesus would like to see you in a condition like this? He said, religion? (laughs) He said, I don't believe in religion. I don't believe it. He said, young man, I'm a product of nature. I nearly said, you sure are. If it weren't for the grace of God, that's exactly where I'd be. Lying in that gutter tonight. But I want to tell you, my friend, when the Son of God comes into your heart and into your life and converts you... He transforms you. You become converted. You, the crowd laughs and sneers and says, I can't see why. Jesus said, except ye be converted. I noticed something else. He said, except ye repent in Luke 5, uh, 13, 5. Except ye repent. Now, what is repentance? Sorrow for sin? No. The, the thief that's climbing in your window and you catch him, he, he's sorry. Sorry, he's caught. But that's not repentance. Repentance is godly sorrow for sin and turning away from sin. When God saves you, you repent, you, you, you're sorry and you turn away from it, and you say, By the grace of God, I'm going to live for the Son of God. Oh, what a thrill it was this week to receive many letters from people who've repented, who said, By the grace of God, Jesus Christ is going to be my Savior. That's the thrill of it, to repent. And sin is dark. Sin brings sorrow and heartaches and tears. Sin brings misery. There are people looking into my face tonight throughout this nation whose lives have been checkered and marred and stained and blacked by sin, and you wouldn't want the person next to you to know anything about your life. The stains of sin are there. Two girls were working at a machine in a a mill, and suddenly one of them was seen to take a bottle from her handbag, put it to her lips, and drink the contents, and she fell over. And the other girl went down, picked her up, and said to her, Why did you take that poison? Why did you take that stuff? And the girl said, I was tired of the night. I was tired of the night, sick of sin. Well, bless God, my friend, if you're there tonight, I've got a Savior who will give you repentance, who will convert you and start you on the road to heaven. And then he said another thing. In Matthew 5:20, Jesus said, he said it, I didn't say it. He said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall know in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. What's that? The Pharisees were good people. They wouldn't walk more than a certain distance on the Sabbath. They were kicked. Jesus said you've got to be better than they are. Listen to me. How good are you? Come on. Are you as good as Jesus? You are not. Anything short of what Jesus was is sin. You and I come miserably short. Oh, we're far short of the grace of God. And tonight God has caused you to look in on this television, telecast, that you might become conscious of the fact that you're on the broad road that leads to hell. There's no hope for you. You're lost undone because of the checkered stains of sin that have blackened and marred your life. I got good news. 1900 years ago, Jesus made his way up the hill Calvary and there on the cross, he died for you. He died on the cross that you might live. The greatest piece of news in all the world. That's why these young people, young men and women are thrilled over the fact that Jesus is theirs. You know, I used to live in California. Out in Grass Valley, California, where I was a while back, uh, there's a gold star mine there that functions uh, in Grass Valley. The North Star Mine it is now. A young fellow, this is a true story, a young fellow graduated from Harvard, took with him his wife and two children, went out there and staked out a claim. He started digging and he dug and with no success. Weeks, months went by until finally he said to his wife, we're at the end of the rope. I've got one more chance. We're going to try it once again. He went down. He Set the dynamite he set the fuse in the cap and lit it there was a terrific explosion he went down searched throughout the remains and the rocks and searched for gold no sign and he came back took his gun shot his wife killed his two youngsters put the gun to his own head and killed himself the north star gold company took over and they they took over that mine and they went in and set the dynamite and set the fuse and let off a blast and they struck a vein of gold That they've been digging millions and millions of dollars worth of gold out of there ever since. Today they worked the mine. Oh, he was so near to a fortune, so near to being a multimillionaire. But he missed it. And there's scores of you, as Jesus says, thou art very near the kingdom of God. And tonight God wants to save you. Will you let him do it? Will you say, by the grace of God, tonight I'm going to meet God's exceptions and come God's way and trust Jesus? We've done that. (laughs) My, we're glad we have. And that's what we want you to do right now. There, as you look in on this telecast. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer. For you, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just before I have prayer now, I wonder how many of you how many of you there will bow your heads and say, God, helping me, this Jesus is going to be my Savior. You'll write us about it in covenant with God right there now, on this date, write the date down. And say, I want to be converted. I'm willing to repent. I want the righteousness of Jesus. Your will bless you and save you. Blot out every sin in your life. I don't care who you are. Will you do it? I hope so. Write us the Box One in Philadelphia. We'd love to hear of it, our Father. Bless these. May there be a great host tonight throughout the nation reach the place of desperation, where they cling to the Son of God and flee to Him for a refuge. Find the joy of being headed for heaven. We pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Friends, you have just viewed another telecast of Youth on the March put on by the Young People's Church of the Air with Dr. Percy Crawford, the speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, may I impress upon you that this is a faith work and that your letters mean much for the continuance of these telecasts. Help the youth reach the youth with the truth. You've been listening to Percy Crawford and Youth on the March. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Saturday and Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.